0: Josh dies of Showbread joins The Antidote. Josh, great to have you here again.
1: Oh, thanks for having me.
0: We last spoke in 2012, which was at the time of Showbread's release of the Cancer album. Mm. You took on a crowdfunding campaign for that release. How was the end result for that?
1: <laughs> uh, well, complicated would be one way of putting it. I think that we had done one crowdfunded album prior to Cancer, and... Uh, it was a learning experience, to say the least, uh, and it was a bit daunting, a bit complex, but we managed to to get everything done within reason, and we thought that we had sort of learned f- from the, the mistakes of the first venture and had improved the process and fine-tuned it, but the undertaking that we set out uh, to accomplish with cancer was substantially more grandiose, I guess you would say. It wasn't just an album, it was a movie as well, and... I think because of that, there's a certain amount of foresight that we just couldn't possibly have. Um, If we had just narrowed our focus to making a record, then it would have been terribly effective. It would have been a very streamlined and successful project. But the fact that we set out to make a movie as well kind of bogged it down in what felt like endless uh, development limbo. it wasn't until just a few months ago that we actually finished and released that movie that we crowdfunded in 2012. So to say that things didn't go as expected is an understatement.
0: What was the end result with the film Cancer? Are you happy with what came out of it?
1: I am, yeah. You know, it's uh, you know, a, an obvious thing to say that it's a very different animal making a movie than it is to make a record. So I think uh, my expectations and my ambition for the movie were quite different than with an album. With an album, it's a... Uh, well within reason, at least to my judgment, to make something that I'm completely happy with from the ground up and where I don't feel like, oh, this could have been a little better if only. Um, but with a movie, I don't have the same set of expectations. I realize that we're a bunch of amateurs with a limited budget, with limited resources, and even with limited talent to execute something that is uh, way above our pay grade. And even so, um, the movie that we made is actually... Um, almost entirely faithful to the screenplay that we wrote. Um, I think, you know, obviously the production (laughs) time limit, the funds that we sapped long ago and then had to (laughs) uh, re-gather over and over again, that was all um, disparaging. The movie in the end is a a fun little flick. I, I realized that the average Joe watching the movie would probably think, well, this is weird. But uh, to me, I'm like, yeah, that's more or less what I thought, what we set out to make. So I'm pretty happy with it.
0: But it does really closely follow along with the album, Cancer.
1: It does, yeah. There's certainly, uh, you know, it's not a thinly veiled metaphor. The, The narrative in Cancer is pretty straightforward. And so the movie was an opportunity to be a little more abstract than even the album is. The album's pretty direct, or at least... I think, is pretty direct. So the movie was uh, an opportunity to play around with visuals and with metaphor, but it does. It follows the narrative of the album beginning to end.
0: Well, the last time you were on The Antidote, we spoke a fair bit about film and the film references that Showbread has included in your music. Are you really that much of a film fanatic?
1: <laughs> um, I guess I'd like to say I'm a self-purported film fanatic. Uh, my... Brother and I and uh, some of our friends have a, a podcast called You Hate Movies, and we uh, the entire premise is just that a bunch of movie nerds sit around arguing <laughs> over the minutia of, of film. Um, so it's, it's definitely, uh, we would like to claim to be some sort of experts. We're certainly not that, we're just nerds.
0: <laughs> so that's making them as film-obsessed as you are? Yeah,
1: well, that's the goal anyway.
0: Okay, well, this brings up something else. Then, I mean, since you've been involved with both music and now a film, do you find there's any similarities between the two?
1: Yeah, there's certainly overlap. I mean, any uh, any creative venture that you set out, anything that's expressive or that, that communicates something, be it uh, audio or visual or or what it might be, there's there's obviously a certain amount of overlap in approach or. Uh, even in desired effort. But film is something that's kind of, as I said earlier, outside of my pay grade. I don't really fancy myself a director of any real sort. It was more just like a, let's try this thing. It's a it's a DIY effort through and through. With music, I feel like it's something that we can, as a band, wrap our heads around and do effectively and be um, completely satisfied with, with every area of something that we set out to do musically with film. It's like we're stepping into somebody else's world entirely and having to look things up and ask questions and be like, well, I don't know. We're just going to have to rig it. We don't know what we're doing. Um, <laughs> but you do find that there's a certain amount of, um, of carryover, at least in communication, when you're trying to tell a story or when you're trying to communicate um, ideas, be they philosophical or theological or even just emotional ideas. Uh, you go about them in similar ways in music that you go about them in film.
0: Okay, then I'm going to put you on the spot and ask you for two opinions. The best film you saw in the last 12 months, and who's your favorite director of all time?
1: Oh, wow. Um, well, I think that my f- my favorite movie in uh, 2015 was absolutely uh, Jurassic World, and that was That was owed largely to the fact that Jurassic Park was it was like my Star Wars. It was a formational movie for me. It was the movie that made me really, really love movies and has been very much a part of my life Uh, ever since I was 10 years old. I saw Jurassic Park on my 10th birthday, and Jurassic World was kind of a a surreal, um, childlike experience for me. So it was my favorite movie of 2015. Uh, If I had to say a favorite uh, director... I couldn't do it based on movies alone. It, all, most directors are at least have some misfires or a movie that I just don't like as as much as others. If you're th- talking about someone like Steven Spielberg, who made my favorite movie, Steven Spielberg has you know a great many selections in his filmography that I'm not really a fan of. So I would go for more of like a a just solid track record, and maybe that would be someone more like David Fincher, who mm. um, you know Fight Club and and Seven and um, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, Gone Girl, things like that. David Fincher to me is a director who's almost never missed. So I'd probably pick him if not up there with the greats. My favorite, maybe.
0: So you're looking at the dark side, with Fincher.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know Fincher is he's uh, hilarious. He thinks he's <laughs> his whole premise is that people are weirdos. So he makes <laughs> he makes even movies with a normal premise somehow come out darker, upsetting. But he does it so effectively.
0: Well, what about the guys in Showbread? Are they weirdos?
1: Oh, well, at least ostensibly, you would think <laughs> so to to listen to our albums, but um I guess weird is in the eye of the beholder.
0: <laughs> well, I guess we should really switch back to what's happening or I guess realistically what won't be happening with the music of Showbread cuz this is the end of the road. You know, the band um just released your final album, Showbread is show dead. Is that tough to admit that it's all over?
1: No, I think that if he would have asked me uh, two or three years ago, it it would have been a a very painful and um, even a confusing thing to come to grips with. But uh, we, Patrick and myself and Garrett, sat down a couple of years ago and we talked about what we would do. We were in the middle of trying to work out everything with cancer in the movie and still struggling to make that happen. And um, because of the... uh, the tangles that we got knotted up in trying to make the cancer movie, um, we had to basically dismiss or shrug off a great many projects that we wanted to do. We had like two album premises that we um, were were writing and working on, or and then we would realize we're still so far from making good on this one thing. We promise people that we can't pursue this any further, and then eventually you just lose interest with uh, something if you can't ever bring it to fruition, and. Um, they were tours that we wanted to go on. There were like uh, several just fun things. Like we had this documentary that we were working on and we couldn't uh, dedicate the time to it knowing that we could never put it out unless we somehow finished the stupid cancer movie. <laughs> um, so we, Garrett and Patrick and myself a couple of years ago sat down and were like, well, what are we going to do about this whole thing? And are we going to become one of those bands that sort of just peter out and uh, are just no longer you know, uh, present, at least to, in the eye of their fans. And maybe every few years they put out something that's half-hearted because their interests are vested elsewhere. And we didn't really want to do anything. We wanted to kind of go out in, in grand fashion, at least as much as it depended on us. So we decided then that we would um, make a, an album that was to be, you know, an intentional final album. And that as soon as we finished the cancer movie, we would have this other album ready to go. And we set about trying to make a plan to, to make that happen. So I've had a couple of years to sort of wrestle with it and decide on what that means, but really uh, it's not tremendously different than where we've been ever since 2012. Now we're more active than we have been and this is the end of the band, so it actually feels pretty good.
0: And does this mean you're going to do a final tour?
1: Um, we will definitely do final uh, shows. You know, we've, We kind of invited folks to book us if they'd like to and we've got a handful of people spread out across the country that are like, oh, we could bring you out here or here, and we're going to sit down with a map and say, what could we actually realistically do? Um, we definitely won't do the whole, like, you know, eight weeks in a van or, or three months all over and international or anything like that. But we want to put together a handful of dates that uh, will kind of let us go out in grand fashion.
0: I'm just hoping one of those dates could possibly be Toronto.
1: hey you and me both man i've only we've only played in toronto once and it was great
0: and that was the one time that i saw your band play
1: oh hey see maybe that's why it was so great
0: (laughs) showbread has had quite a few members over the years so who have you included in the final band lineup
1: um well we we did the album with what's our current, I guess, uh, official lineup, if you want to use a word like that, which was myself, uh, my brother Patrick, and then Garrett Holmes. Uh, we had Landon, uh, Bennings from, who played on the Fear of God record come, uh, play guitar. We had Mike Jensen, who was on, uh, almost all the records except for the last couple of, uh, self-released ones come back and play guitar as well and help do the engineering and technical stuff. Uh, and then we had uh, Ivory Mobley, who was, uh, you know, he was in the band from about 1997 to around 2008 or 2007, something like that. He came back and did vocals. And then we had a friend of ours here in Portland play drums, and a bunch of friends of ours uh, around the city come and do guest vocals and things like that. So it was kind of like this amalgamation of new friends, the current, the, the current stragglers who were left along, and then uh, people from different eras of the classic lineups.
0: And then stylize with Showbread as Showdead, were you trying to cover ground that you'd covered before? Like, were you trying to draw on, you know, a specific era of Showbread? Because your music changed a lot over the years.
1: Yeah, I think in the beginning, when we set out to, when we were first writing and doing demos, it was, uh, it seemed like an impossible undertaking to sort of Create some kind of amalgamation of the, all those eight records that vary so drastically from genre to genre and album to album that uh, it was more helpful for us to look at it sort of like uh, this idea of coming full circle. So mm-hmm. we, we sort of had this visual in our heads of this eight record discography um, that was uh, cyclical or it turned around in a cycle so that it went through all these different genres, but it was making its way back to the uh, starting place, which uh, we were looking at as the the 2004 record, no and Nihilism, it's not practical. So in theory, by the time it would make its way back around, it would be drastically affected by its circular journey, but it would be closest in proximity to that first album. So it's almost like a sister album or a, a, a sequel album to that first record, but with a bunch of the baggage from all those other ones in tow.
0: Showbread is Showdead includes a track called Raw Rock Theology, and a line of the song says, draw them from their seats of comfort into nonviolent insurrection. Was that really the intention of the music of Showbread?
1: Yeah, I think that that is, when all was said and done, the bottom line or the philosophical and theological goal of uh, the, the message of the band, if you will, could be summarized in that single line. Because the band's
0: never really hesitated on stepping on people's toes, have you?
1: <laughs> well, you know, the part of uh, doing any any kind of, of punk rock is that there has to be some level of provocation for it to be effective. But I guess
0: from a Christian viewpoint, that's also made you controversial at times.
1: Oh, yeah, sure. I think that, you know, the the tension that we always found ourselves in was that it was too too preachy and too Jesus-centric for um, the folks who didn't care to hear about uh, theological concepts or about Jesus, and it was way too provocative for the, uh, you know, the CCM market.
0: I guess, Josh, you know this better than I. You know, with Showbread never really covering the same ground twice, did you ever find those changes in style affected your fan base? <laughs>
1: oh, yeah. Well, yeah, they certainly did. Uh There was a certain amount of um, ignorance the first time that we did it. I think that when we did our first record in 2004 and then we supported it, you know, we went around playing the songs and connecting with people that were buying the record and uh, hearing us for the first time. And then we we sort of always took for granted that the next time you sit down and write a record, you don't do the same thing again because that's boring. Um, We did not anticipate, I think back then, the amount of backlash that that would have or the amount of um, unwillingness, at least in our uh, fan base, if, if you like to call it that, um, to move forward or to evolve or to mature even as listeners. And then from there on out, maybe to our own uh, discredit at times, uh, there was a certain amount of fun to to provoke listeners or to antagonize listeners by changing things even more drastically from record to record. It was always kind of like, the thrill of a, of it to be able to have people ticked off that it didn't sound the same every time.
0: <laughs> okay, then which album did you want to tick off fans the most?
1: Oh, that's easy. The uh, Who Can Know It um, was the most was uh, the most obvious exercise in intentionally alienating your listeners.
0: <laughs> because it was by far the mellowest.
1: It was, yeah. I think that you know we had we had done so much in this like more aggro vein and we had always had uh, you know songs or moments on albums that were more melodic and more subdued and we thought wouldn't it be interesting what would it be like if you had in the middle of a discography like ours an album that was entirely relaxed and driven by pianos instead of power chords what would that be like? That was the honest idea that compelled the thing forward in the beginning but then right away you're obviously thinking Oh man, people are going to hate this, and that was that was kind of fun.
0: But really, topically, you never changed on that album, even though you know the music content was mellow, lyrically, you're still driving at people. You're doing hard topics like a man with a hammer. That's a difficult song to listen to.
1: Yeah, I think that you know the the threat of continuity in terms of what we were communicating was. You can find an obvious congruence from album to album to album. And, and the bottom line never changed. I think that the way that we were expressing the same ideas might have evolved a bit over time. S- certain things became more obvious and less veiled by, you know, abstract lyrics or metaphor. Um, the political nature of things that we were saying became, you know, was driven more to the forefront, especially by the time you get to a record like, Cancer, but the bottom line was was very much the same. You know, even from an album like uh, *Nihilism* and uh, *Who Can Know It*, you're still exploring the same premises, uh, just from different angles.
0: And do you think there's an advantage to one style being lyrically clear or or veiled?
1: Yeah, you know, um, the you know, you mentioned raw rock theology a moment ago. I think that there's there's a certain thing that you can do uh with enthusiasm and clarity in a delivery that is it just doesn't create the same effect when you're going for mellow or subdued and abstract or metaphor and then vice versa you can mix up the the formula either way and you just you just create different listening experience or different communicative experiences but um it's just uh it's like a recipe you're just messing around with what you think might might be the best in the context of a song or in the context of an album but there's advantages and disadvantages to being obvious or being abstract.
0: The moment ago we were talking about how Who Can Know It had a mellower tone but you've also included a similar style of track as the closing for Showbred is Showdead and it's really a song written I guess to your son's future at least that's how it comes across life after yeah. life after death. Did you think it was important to end the album on a personal note?
1: I did yeah, I think that the uh, each record kind of has this uh what you could call a synopsis, or where it's not just a, a complete collection of dissimilar or disparate ideas. there's usually a thread of continuity running through um, each individual record, each respective record, and um with showbread show Showdead, it seemed like there was uh, almost this plea to to a lot of our listeners who began. Um, their experience listening to our band in a state of symmetry with, um, yeah. with the ideas that the band was purporting, um, in particular, our thoughts and feelings about Jesus of Nazareth. And then as we moved along, you know, you're, you're a band for uh, nearly two decades, and you're connecting with a lot of the same people or same groups over the years and finding that different people have um, gone different ways in terms of uh, how they've interpreted your music or the things that you say, or they used to agree with you and now they disagree or vice versa. So part of the album was about addressing those folks and kind of uh, inviting them to reevaluate some of the things that we had said before or the things that they have thought before. Um, But I couldn't really find a way to couch that in a a summary. Um, In the beginning, the the album that we had written ended with the title track. It ended with 10 songs. Um, And I felt like there was... Something uh, missing from the formula. There was there was something that wasn't bringing it all together the way that I had liked. So I think a week before we set out to record the album, we wrote that last song, and it seemed to make the most sense to me to make it this overarching message about reevaluating the things that we've said and believed for so long as something more personal, as something is basically me talking to my son in the context of the song, but it's inviting the listener into that same conversation and making them kind of privy to the same questions, you know? That
0: was a cool way of doing that.
1: Yeah, I like the way that it it came out.
0: I, I guess I raised this point earlier, but Showbread hasn't minded covering difficult issues. But has there ever been a topic you wanted to turn into a song but never did?
1: yeah I think there's a that's an inevitability uh there's only so much that you can obviously address um with with any sort of clarity in music and then there's only so much that you can do within a song and only so much you can do within an album. I think that every time that we've said this certainly since we've become a, a bit more deliberate in the things that we say when we when we made that first record, it was more about like uh just healing things out of a, a notebook so there wasn't like a, a focus like oh this is what we want to say with the record and here's how we're going to make the topic line up it was just like we had you know 13 songs and we'd recorded those 13 songs but from then on it became way more about uh thematic um emphasis and you can tell like the 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 second record age of reptiles uh has way more reoccurring themes and it's way more self-referential than the first album um but every time we have sat down to, to make a record, and we've had conversations i've had them internally, and then I 'll have them with the other guys who have played on the records about like what is it that we're saying, and how do we say it most effectively? Um, I think that we were able to to stay true to at least to the the vision that we set out to have from album to album. I think that if we continued to make showbread Records forever, uh, we still wouldn't get to the amount of things that we'd like to address and we, and we tend to uh, gravitate towards saying similar types of thing over and over and over again. I think that you know certain things bear repeating and bear re- repeating in different and new ways or from different angles. So there's nothing that that jumps out of my head at the beginning about oh man we always wanted to address this one thing and we never got there. I think that even though a lot of folks would say certainly at the end of our discography <laughs> we we tended to sing about um, the same things over and over and over again and that was there was you know that was a bit deliberate so. Uh, we could have branched out a lot more, but we felt like it was important to stay on topic for a while.
0: Well, let me turn that last question around. Have you ever regretted recording a certain song?
1: Um, I don't I don't know that I've regretted anything uh, outright or anything altogether, but I think that once the lyricism became a bit more overtly theological, there are certain things that you say and that... Um, that you become disappointed in later, even if it's not necessarily that you've completely changed your position or changed your mind on this thing that you've said, but you certainly uh, find a different way of framing it or a different way of saying it. And uh, and there's been a couple of songs that, you know, when I hear them now, I think, oh, man, I wish that I I would have worded that differently if I were writing it now. So that's the risk that you run when you start putting things that are very clear (laughs) in your lyrics. (laughs)
0: Okay, now that showbread has ended, Josh, does this mean this is your chance to be able to move on to be a full-time feature film director?
1: (laughs) No, heck no. (laughs) Um, I think that, you know, we actually had a lot of fun when we were actually shooting the movie, uh, Cancer, and then everything after that was absolutely miserable and stressful and just, it made me never want to pick up a camera ever again. So I've had my fun with that, you know, the... The guys that are in Showbread and even the friends that have come in to help us uh, do this last record and have been collaborating with us will continue to make music. We have this uh, band called The Bell Jar that we used to play in Portland and just kind of have fun being a, a local band with very few obligations and very few like, uh, you know, the, the problem with Showbread is that if you want to do anything, it has to be on a certain scale or on a certain level and all these different. Um, obligations are tethered to it. But if you're just some dinky punk rock local band, then you can just go play a Saturday night show and it doesn't matter if no one comes or you know what your set list is, anything like that. So in a way, it's given us an opportunity to uh, reset the clock and continue to make music and explore themes, um, albeit on a much uh, simpler level. We no longer travel eight, eight months out of the year or anything like that. But uh, we still get to you know, write and record music.
0: Well, Josh, I'm really going to miss showbread, but thanks a lot for coming on The Antidote.
1: Oh, the pleasure was all mine. Thanks for having me.